When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Caitlin, the sound editor of the All the Books podcast. Your All the Books hosts are taking a break this holiday week, but now that we're at the end of the year, we thought it would be fun to reflect on what they said their most anticipated books for 2023 were this time last year. This episode originally aired on December 27th, 2022, so please enjoy the rerun and we'll be back next week. Listening to all the books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 394, and today we are talking about books coming in 2023 that we are excited about and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Patricia Elsie Tuttle, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Patricia, hello! Hey, Liberty! It's the last show of the year! It is! Ugh, 2022 was... Uh, I said this, I recorded a remixed episode of Book Riot Insider's uh, podcast episode with Jen, and I noted that the year 2022 was just like potato salad with raisins in it. It was just like something no one wanted. It's been a rough year. Yeah, it's been a very long and fast year. <laughs> a long, right? A long and yeah. fast year. Um, I am happy to be talking about books and like looking forward to like these 2023 books. Yes. So I told you before I started recording that I was going to rat your wife out on the show because <laughs> I thought that would be more fun than doing it just, you know, before we started recording. Um, so... A few weeks ago, this has nothing to do with books or anything. I'm just telling you this delightful story. So a few weeks ago, I posted a story on Instagram that I was eating ice cream for breakfast. And your wife was like, my stepmother told me that a scoop of ice cream in your coffee is better than creamer. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to start drinking coffee just for that very reason. (laughs) And she's like, I know, I feel the same way. And then like another minute later, she's like, don't tell Patricia that I told you to drink coffee. right because i'm so wound up enough as it is like she probably doesn't need that and she was like same (laughs) yeah no uh nicole is also not allowed to drink coffee because she will just be like (laughs) she will just be like a pinball in a pinball machine it was really cute (laughs) and now i've told everyone yeah you can both you can both be together in the no coffee corner (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're gonna be sitting over on the side with with big things of ice cream though for sure Uh, yes yeah so getting back to books do you have any reading goals for next year I do. You know what? This morning I was just looking and I had like a reading goal, like a like an amount of books I wanted to read this year, which was 130, mm-hmm. but I've cut back on my reading a little bit. Um, so I've gotten to like 107 so far. Which is amazing. So I don't, yeah, I'm like, you know what? I broke 100. I feel good about that. But I also don't feel compelled next year to uh, set like a 
a number of books goal. And Mm -hmm. instead, I am going to, my plan is to read all of Octavia Butler's books. There are some I've read already. I think I've read a three like i've read kindred i've read fledgling i've read blood child so i think that leaves me with something like 25 and so i'm like okay that's totally doable yeah you know i could also maybe the following year i'll try to track down like her short stories that have been published in different things whatever but i'm just kind of focusing on books this year so Mm -hmm. that's one of my thing and then the other thing isn't quite a reading goal but i need to weed the books in our apartment they are we have like no space in here they're just books everywhere as you understand i do Um, (laughs) and so i have of appointments already set up for starting in January at my local used bookstore um, for me to haul down some books. So, So those are like my two bookish goals and then like kind of a half bookish goal um, that I'm kind of saying here for accountability is Mm -hmm. I do miss podcasting more but I don't uh, especially since I stepped back a bit from like all the backlist and things like that but Mm -hmm. I don't quite want to like pick that back up again so I'm batting around the idea of starting my own show where maybe I'll talk about self-help books I'll probably talk about like a lot of other stuff too but Mm -hmm. that's also my kind of like 50% bookish goal so we'll see how about you do you set reading goals uh sometimes okay before I tell you what they are though we are going to hear from our first sponsor today's episode is brought to you by thirsty by jazz hammonds College student Blake and her girlfriend have one goal, join the exclusive sorority that promises connections to a network of trailblazing women of color. Now, Ella's acceptance is a sure thing. She's a daughter of a Serena Society alum. After all, Blake, on the other hand, lacks Ella's pedigree and her confidence. Luckily, though really unluckily, she finds courage at the bottom of a liquor bottle. When she drinks, she's bold and funny, and as pledging intensifies, so does Blake's drinking. Ella assures her that she's fine, partying hard is what it takes, but with her future on the line, Blake must decide how far she's willing to go to achieve glittering dreams of success. Now, just so you know, Jazz Hammonds is the 2023 winner of the critic Scott King John Steptoe Award for New Talent for We Deserve Monuments, and We Deserve Monuments was an Amazon Best Books of the Year and Barnes & Noble Best Books of the Year for 2023, so suffice to say, y'all should check this new one out. Thanks again to Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Diana Dixon has a busy summer and no time for tall, gorgeous hockey player Shane's shenanigans. Because you know what? If they shenan once, they'll shenan again. So she thinks she knows exactly who he is when he moves into her apartment building. But turns out Shane's sick of hookups and tired of being on the rebound after his long-term girlfriend called it quits. But when his ex comes back into the picture, he needs a plan. And who better to play his new girlfriend than his sassy new neighbor? So 
though a fake relationship might be perfect for Diana's own ex issues, but Diana is used to living by the rules. Will she learn that when it comes to love, rules are meant to be broken? Make sure to check out the Dixon Rule by L. Kennedy. L. Kennedy is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author with over a million copies of her books sold. So this is going to be another banger, y'all. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. So uh, I used to always set them and they were always unrealistic and I never met them, <laughs> right? I'd be like, I want to read all of Kurt Vonnegut's books again and also all of Agatha Christie's and every book that I have in my house that has a bird on the cover, you know, and just like <laughs> stuff like that. And so the last few years... I haven't said any. And then last year I read more books than I've ever read. And I was like, I don't want to do that again. Oh, wow. And then this year I read more books than that. But it was different because I wasn't reading as many for work because, you know, I got laid off from my other job in August. So Mm -hmm. there were just like a lot of things that I just was like, oh, I'm just going to pick this up and read it. And I ended up reading even more. But my one goal for next year, I think, is to reread fewer books because... I mean, unless I need to, right? right? Like, it's very comforting and I enjoy it. But, like, this year I read Unlikely Animals seven times and I read The Employees five times. And there were, like, over 20, 25 titles that I read, you know, a second time. And I was like, but this could be, you know, books that I haven't read before, you know? <laughs> but, it, but, like, I felt like I needed it at that time. You yeah. Know? But I think I'm going to try and reread fewer books. That said, I talked about this on, on the Backlist episode. My first book of... 2023 is going to be Einstein's Dreams by Alan Lightman because it's beautiful and I gave some thought to like what I want to start my year with and it's mm. just very smart and lovely mm-hmm. and like a like a hug so I'm gonna reread that for like the millionth time <laughs> but after that you know and after re- like rereading all of Murderbot last weekend and uh getting in all your rereading in yeah. like these pe- last like 10 days of the month it's true i just i before we started recording i just went upstairs and dug out an older patrick dewitt novel that i wanted to reread because i just read his new book which comes out in july i think the librarianist and i loved it so much and i was like oh i want to read under major dobo minor again um so i gotta do it before the new year <laughs> like i mean i'll probably still do it but you know, I doubt I can go all year without rereading, you know, the Locked Tomb trilogy, but right. who knows? So we are going to talk about books that we are excited about coming out in 2023. Before we do that, I want to remind you that if you are looking for the perfect gift for the book nerd in your life, you can gift tailored book recommendations. Your special someone will tell our professional book nerds, or bibliologists as we call them because it's more fun to say, they will tell them about what they love and what they don't love, what their reading goals are, if they have some, like us, uh, and what they need more of in their bookish life. Then they just sit back while our bibliologists go to work selecting books just for them. TBR has plans for every budget, so you can give one quarter, or you can give a whole year. You can give hardcovers in the mail or recommendations only via email, and the recommendations only level is available worldwide. So visit mytbr.co slash gift to give the gift of books. That's mytbr.co slash gift. Now, books. It is not a requirement on the preview show to have read the books that we are excited about. Um, It just so happens that I have read seven and a half of them. And I feel like if these were the only books that I read from next year, like, I would be so happy. 
Like, I love all of these so, <laughs> so much. Like, my first pick comes out on January 10th, but I'm going to tell you about it now. Because, you know, we do these little these little roundup wrap-ups, like blurbs. What are the words that I want? Um, about each of them, you know. And then I'll, I'll expound on that next time. Uh, but my first pick is Everybody Knows by Jordan Harper. Uh, he wrote a book that I love that came out several years ago called She Rides Shotgun, which is like a gritty, violent, like nihilist mystery crime book that I love so much. And actually, I noticed this one first because Everybody Knows is a really fantastic Leonard Cohen song that is also covered by Concrete Blunt. There's your little music trivia for today. Uh, but this is about a woman named May Pruitt. She is a publicist in a Los Angeles publicity firm, and she and the firm specialize basically in hiding terrible things that celebrities have done, cleaning up messes, making them go away. She knows where all the bodies are buried. She's buried a lot of them there herself. She's really good at her job. And one day her boss, Dan, tells her that he needs to talk to her outside of work. But before she can speak to him, he gets gunned down a few hours later in front of a hotel. And May kind of has burnout. You know, she's like, I am a bad person. I do bad things, you know, because she does. You know, she makes all these terrible, like, celebrities do terrible things, and she makes them all go away or stay out of the press, you know, and, and she's like, I'm a bad person. You know, I keep doing this. And she decides she wants to find out what happened to Dan. Because, like, what was it that he wanted to tell her before he died that he couldn't say, like, in the office? She begins poking into his death. So then we have Chris, who is a former cop, who also did bad things when he was a cop. He loses his job. Now he works as the muscle for very rich and influential people uh, for pay, basically doing the same thing kind of that she does, except he goes and he threatens people or beats people up, you know, to get them to cough up the money or keep their mouths shut or whatever. He's like on the other side of that. Um, and he also has burnout because he's a bad person and he's getting older. And... May and Chris used to date, but it didn't quite work out. But May reaches out to him about her boss's murder. She wants to get to the bottom of Dan's murder. And instead, they are going to uncover a whole web of secrets and corruption that they didn't even know existed. Like a whole other level of dirt um, that they might not live to expose. It is a thrilling page turner. Oh my goodness, I flew through it. It was really interesting to read this right after I had read I'm Glad My Mom Died because she talks about so many of the behind the scenes things in Hollywood and the people that you talk to and the things that happen. And and it was like, oh, this feels very realistic. It's fantastic. I'm saying that this is like a 21st century LA confidential. It's morally corrupt people who decide that they want to finally do the right thing. They can't trust anyone. They fight corrupt cops. They fight the media and they get beat up a lot, you know? So that's that's my take on it. I love it so much. It's Everybody Knows by Jordan Harper. That comes out January 10th. So the books that I have chosen for today, I have not read yet, which, hey, I don't I don't have to yet, but I am just like so excited about all of them. And my first pick is, of course, I have a lot of nonfiction for you all today. It's The Body Liberation Project, How Understanding Racism and Diet Culture Helps Cultivate Joy and Build Collective Freedom by Chrissy King. 
So starting off with a bang here that diet culture is one of white supremacy's greatest hits. And the term body positivity has been co-opted. That is basically just stolen from the people who coined it. And also it is time to move past body positivity, beyond body acceptance even. Um, this book is about body liberation. I've actually even written about this myself in Body Talk, edited by fellow book writer Kelly Jensen. I wrote about body positivity. It is it it's throw it's a word that's thrown or a term that's thrown around so much that it's basically lost all meaning. So this book, The Body Liberation Project, is not just about race, but all of the interlocking systems under white supremacy like transphobia and ableism and sexism, etc. Body liberation is about finding freedom from these systems in our own bodies. This book is a combination of memoir and prompts and inspiration and more. I'm really excited for this book and I can't wait to dive in. I kind of took a break from reading so much nonfiction this year and I think my body is ready. So this is the Body Liberation Project, how understanding racism and diet culture helps cultivate joy and build collective freedom by Chrissy King and it's out on March 14th. All right. I think I have all fiction today, now that I'm thinking. Oh, no, I don't. I have one nonfiction. Okay. <laughs> but not yet. So this next one, holy cats. It's so off the rails and amazing. It is Big Swiss by Jen Began. That comes out February 7th. This is just, ugh. If you like darkly humorous novels with messy protagonists making questionable decisions, you want to get this book as soon as it comes out. It is set in Hudson, New York. And there's a whole thing around Hudson, New York. Apparently, it's a very artsy kind of place. Um, lots of celebrities live near there. And the book follows a middle-aged woman named Greta. Greta is quite unhappy in her life. She's in her 40s. She's very depressed. She's had some trauma in her life. She's made some bad choices. And she's now living uh, with her roommate in the woods in this weird old house uh, and she's gotten a job working as a transcriber for a sex therapist. So basically what happens is he records the sessions and then gives the tapes to Greta or sends her, sends her the files and she transcribes them into a manuscript because he's going to write a book someday and, you know, all this stuff. So Greta knows a lot of secrets about many people that she sees every day in her town because she spends all this time listening to them. But... It's not until he takes on a patient that Greta nicknames Big Swiss that she crosses boundaries and in a big way. Big Swiss is the nickname that Greta gives her. Uh, she's a, a married woman and Greta thinks like she's the most fascinating person that Greta has ever met in quotes, like listened to. Um, and suddenly Greta finds life to be interesting and she can't wait to get to each session uh, to hear what Big Swiss has to say next in, in the stories that she's telling. But then because she has such a, a distinctive voice, Big Swiss, Greta uh, runs into her at the dog park. It's, it's completely a coincidence, but she knows who she is. And they start talking and Greta lies about her identity 
And the two end up beginning an affair because I said Big Swiss is married. So now she's having an affair with this woman that she's completely fascinated with. Uh, And then listening to Big Swiss talk about her in the sessions that she has with Greta's boss, which is very, very wrong. You know, and the book is, is like, how far will Greta go before she confesses the truth? How far will she get with this? Like, what does she think is going to happen? Um, what does she want from this? Uh, it's so good. It was announced uh, like a million months ago, and I'm pretty sure that the rights sold before it was even finished, and Jodie Comer from Killing Eve is going to star in it. And it turns out she has a lot of really rabid fans. I had no idea. But they've been like offering people money for their galleys and just talking about it constantly. Like, I can't wait for the show. I used to work in a bookstore, and... When I worked there, we had a young woman. When she was 10, she started working there. She kind of hung out there after school, and she would straighten the books, and then, you know, she could take a book home. And then when she got older, you know, she became a member of the team. But, you know, she like, when I met her, she was just this little kid. She was, like, 10 years old. Well, it turns out, she reached out to me recently. She's obsessed with Jodie Comer, and she was telling me how much she wanted to read this book. And I was like, you can't read this. You are not old enough. And she's like, I'm 22. And I was like, no. Because... It is so very, 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 very filthy. <laughs> this book is screamingly funny and really filthy. Slightly disturbing, refreshingly honest and weird. It's It'll also break your heart. It's about trauma and love and violence and sex and depression and anxiety. And I don't think I've ever read a book as fast as I read this one. And that's saying something. Um, and then I recommended it to everybody that I know And then was like, oh, no, everyone's going to be like, what is wrong with you? But it turns out that all the people I've told to read it have loved it, too. Um, So if that sounds like a good time to you, then you want to pick up Big Swiss by Jen Began out February 7th. You had me at filthy and weird. Oh, yeah. It's very, very (laughs) filthy. But I I mean, it's it's just so good. Oh, my gosh. Maybe. Ugh. Every every time I hear about a book, I'm like, maybe I bump that up my TBR. Maybe I bump that up. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so for yep. my next pick, I have Real Self-Care, a transformative program for redefining wellness, crystals, cleanses, and bubble baths not included by Dr. Pooja Lakshmin. And, ooh, self-care, another term that has been co-opted from its original meaning and intention. Full disclosure, I have not yet read this book, and I recognize, like, I may love it, or I may despise this book, but either way, I'm really, really looking forward to reading it. As a person who writes self-help myself and talks a lot about self-care, which, no, does not involve bath bombs and mani-pedis, I welcome any books that try to unpack and dissect the wellness industry. I also know that it can be incredibly frustrating for people, and lots of people ask, like, okay, if my bubble bath isn't self-care, then what is? And sometimes it's a bit harder to define. And this book supposedly has a roadmap, so it's it's not only unpacking 
modern wellness and this idea of self-care as as it has been co-opted, but it has a roadmap and a program for sustainable change and peace. Of course, this gives me a lot of pause because I'm like a program, but I am nothing if not utterly intrigued. And I'm so excited to dig into this book. It's Real Self-Care, a transformative program for redefining wellness, crystals, cleanses, and bubble baths not included by Dr. Pooja Lakshmin. And it is also out on March 14th. Okay, but is ice cream in your coffee self-care? No, I would call that self-soothing, but not actually a a sustainable self-care. All right. I still might start drinking coffee. I'm also all about self-soothing. <laughs> Yesterday, I bought myself some emotional support licorice. So, you Yay. know. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to tell you about my next book. And I already have to start talking faster because we're only on the fifth book. And we're like half, like halfway as long as we should be. <laughs> but it, it takes a long time to go, oh, you know. Anyway, um, so my next pick is I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. Rebecca Mackay probably most famous for The Great Believers, her last novel. Uh, This one comes out on February 21st, and I've probably said this before, but when I saw her talk about it several months ago, she mentioned that her mother keeps referring to it as, I want to ask you some questions (laughs) instead of I have some questions for you, which I thought was really cute. This is an amazing dark academia novel set in the past and in the present at a boarding school in New Hampshire, which she knows a lot about because Rebecca Mackay actually lives on the campus of a boarding school where her husband teaches. And she also went to boarding school, and it's just so, so good. It's about a woman named Bodie Kane. She was a student at this school in New Hampshire in the 1990s uh, when a classmate of hers named Talia was murdered. The crime was quickly solved. Uh, It was blamed on uh, the only black faculty member on staff. And everyone was like, oh, okay, it's all over. Don't worry about it, parents. You know, don't worry about it. And there was some evidence to support this theory that he did it. And he's, he was convicted and he's been in jail ever since. But now it's 25 years later and Bodie has been contacted by her friend who was like her best friend when she was at school and is now like the principal. And she wants uh, Bodie to teach a two-week class. Bodie is now a successful film professor and podcaster. Uh, and, and her friend wants her to talk to the students about that. Uh, but when one of her students decides they want to do their own podcast and they want to investigate the murder of Talia, who was her roommate at one time, it brings back all these memories for Bodhi that she didn't realize. Not that she didn't realize, but some distance from what she knew and what she saw has changed a lot of things for her. Like, the the book is called I Want to Ask You Some Questions because... Or I, so that's what her mother calls it. I, want, I have some questions for you because she's addressing the person who killed Talia. And she realizes, like, she might know more about the crime than she even realized at the time of the murder. And she thinks that the murderer is still free. It's very complex. Uh, Part of it is because Bodhi herself is very complex. As a kid, she had uh, untreated depression and body image issues. She was very poor. So she was there on a scholarship, which is, you know, made it hard for her. She felt like an outsider. You know, as an adult, you know, like I said, she's thinking about things that she didn't understand what they were when she was a kid. Um, It's also a great look at how kids are so young and we treat them so young. But at the same time, like, so much of your life is decided by the time you graduate high school. Like, what you want to do, things that happen to you, like, very, like, grown-up, th- like, things that you've witnessed, 
you know, and and you can't have it both ways, you know, like we expect so much from kids. And and Bodhi is like trying to get her life in order now. Um, she's seeing a married man. Her She has a really great relationship with her ex-husband, which no one thinks is normal. And, you know, she thinks that maybe like this uh, visit to her old school will help her reclaim some of her youth and and inspire her to do some other things. You know, and she's also now determined to unmask who she thinks is Talia's real killer. I I loved her because sometimes she's wrong and sometimes she's unreasonable. And there's this great storyline where something happens in her life and it turns out that the shoe is on the other foot, like compared to what she normally thinks. And she has to decide whether she goes with her heart or with her beliefs. Um, You know, she's... It, she was very believable. I think that this is a tremendous addition to the Dark Academia canon. You know that I'm always like reading anything that's compared to the secret history, and nothing is ever like the secret history. But I would, I would put this nearish, closish to secret history. Um, I read it all in one afternoon, and it was great. That was not very short. I'm sorry. It's called "I Have Some Questions for You" by Rebecca Mackay, and it comes out February twenty first. Let's see. My next pick is like one of my two fiction picks today. This is The Terraformers by Annalie Newitz. Sometimes when I receive a review copy of a book in the mail, I literally squeal and do a little dance. And when I got this book, I definitely squealed and did a little dance. I haven't read it yet, but maybe this is one I'm going to end the year with. Not sure, but I feel like I need to clear space because I get the sense that this is one of those books that I can completely immerse myself in. Call it a space opera, call it a science fiction epic, but most importantly, everything I've seen about this book calls it a book full of hope for our future. And I don't know about all of you, but I used to read a lot of dystopian fiction, and since about 2016, I found that an increasingly difficult subgenre to consume. Our main character in the Terraformers is Destry, who is dedicated to terraforming a planet called Sask-E, as did the generations before her. But suddenly, a lot of things come into question when Destry discovers inside a huge volcano an entire city of people that shouldn't exist. This is a book that I'm trying to go into just almost completely ignorant because I want everything to unfold for me as I read it. I'm so excited to have this one in my 2023 lineup. It's The Terraformers by Annalie Newitz and it's out on January 31st. Excited about that one as well. Now I'm going to start talking so fast that you'll probably have to slow the show down. (laughs) So my next pick for today is Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Ajibrenya. Comes out on April 4th. Ajibrenya's story collection, Friday Black, is one of my favorites. It came out a few years ago, and I have been eagerly awaiting this debut novel. I read it the second I got it. And I'm willing to bet it ends up being my favorite novel of 2023. It's that good. Chain Gang All-Stars is brilliant and brutal, and it's set in a near-future America where the government has pretty much just stopped pretending that they try to rehabilitate prisoners and now have a for-profit MMA gladiator-style reality show with a huge, huge audience. It's one of the most popular shows in the country. And the gladiators on the show are actual prisoners. 
And the match ends when one kills the other. And their prize, if you get through the whole season and aren't killed, when you get to the end of the season, you're given your freedom. And it's so many things. There's the story of lovers who are also fighters on this show, Loretta and Hurricane. They are huge stars from behind bars. And each time they fight might be the last time that they see one another. Uh, and there are there's a storyline with people who are protesting the show and the treatment of the prisoners. Ajay Brenya encourages readers to face the very real racist and inhumane prison system as it exists today. I have never read anything like this. It makes the most amazing use of footnotes. Just absolutely gutted me. This book is going to win awards. It's it's going to win awards. It's Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Ajabrenya. It comes out on April 4th. Ooh, that's very, like, Hunger Games vibes, but also Bee Planet by Kelly Sue DeConnick. I'm not saying the whole word rhymes with witch. <laughs> but it was a similar where there's, like, a prison and then there's, like, a reality show competition, like, whole thing. Ugh. Again, add it to the list. So mm-hmm. let's see. My next pick is You Just Need to Lose Weight and 19 Other Myths About Fat People by Aubrey Gordon. Aubrey Gordon is co-host of the podcast Maintenance Phase, creator of Your Fat Friend, and author of one of my favorite books, What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat. There are so many myths out there about fat people and weight that losing weight is just calories in versus calories out, which it is very complicated. That the BMI is a legitimate measure of health, it is not. That if a person is fat, then they are automatically unhealthy, also wrong. These myths often pop up as retorts to folks trying to combat anti-fat bias. This book is more than just a laundry list of why these things are wrong. Gordon leans on her experience as a community organizer and really offers a resource on how we can reply to these myths in an informed, accurate, and effective way grounded in research and history. To be fair, I learned quite a while ago that I can share data, facts, and research, etc. with people, and some people aren't actually interested in learning and they just want to oppress. Still, I look forward to having access to this book, reading it, and integrating it into my repertoire. It's You Just Need to Lose Weight and 19 Other Myths About Fat People by Aubrey Gordon, and it is out January 10th. All right, before I tell you about my next pick, we're going to hear from another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95. And she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. Okay. So my next one is actually my most anticipated of 2023. It is House of Cotton by Monica Brashears. comes out on April 4th, and I haven't read all of it. I got it, and I was too excited, and I keep picking it up and reading a little bit, and then I don't want it to be over, so I have not actually finished this one. I do plan to finish it by the end of the year. We'll see how it goes. It's It just sounded amazing. It was billed as a contemporary Black Southern Gothic novel, Sat at a funeral home, so I was like, oh, I'm on board. It's about a 19-year-old woman named Magnolia Brown. She works a minimum wage job that she hates at a gas station. She's desperately in need of money so that she can pay her bills and get a new apartment because her landlord is the worst. And one night while she's working, she meets this charismatic stranger named Cotton. Cotton's family owns a funeral home, and he has a modeling job, I say that in quotes, for her that pays really well that he needs her to do at the home. And she agrees. And he begins asking her to do these little jobs around the funeral home. And she's making good money. Uh, But his requests are going to get more outlandish, according to the description. I haven't gotten to that part yet. And she appears to have gotten herself in over her head in a situation she didn't fully understand. This is also billed as a gothic fairy tale. So it's one of those, you know, deals, I think. I'm very excited. But like I said, I've just gotten to the beginning of it. This is... House of Cotton by Monica Brashears. It comes out April 4th. Ooh, I think I got a copy of that. <gasps> Yay! Ooh. It has the most amazing cover. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. My next pick is also, I think this might be my most anticipated of 2023. It's Drama Free, A Guide to Managing Unhealthy Family Relationships by Nedra Glover Tawab. I am obsessed with this author's first book titled Set Boundaries, Find Peace, and I am just endlessly excited about this new one. Tawab has such a compassionate and clear tone to the information, insight, and advice she shares, and I love that she is applying it to some of the most difficult and fraught relationships some of us have. She covers a lot of ground in this book, like the resulting trauma and effects of emotional neglect, the legacy of substance use in some families, navigating mental health struggles of family members, especially while the readers may have their own, perhaps even have their own as a response to family dynamics. 
Whenever I read or hear Tawab's writing, I always feel so empowered. Sometimes navigating relationships, especially family relationships, can feel impossible. And so I look forward to having this book out in the world that I hope will be a great resource for many folks. It's Drama-Free, A Guide to Managing Unhealthy Family Relationships by Nedra Glover Tawab, and it's out on February 28th. Okay, so you don't even need me to talk about this next book because I'm just going to tell you what it is and it's a, it's an auto buy, <laughs> but I'm going to talk about it anyway. It's Quietly Hostile Essays by Samantha Irby that come out on May 16th. Samantha Irby is, I think, the funniest person on the internet. If I met her in person, probably in person too. She's the author of Meaty, We Are Never Meeting in Real Life. Wow, no thank you. This is her fourth collection of essays. She is the queen of TMI. And when I tell you that this is probably her most personal yet, then you know that she's telling you a lot of things. I think I know more about Samantha Irby than I do about myself now. Um, she talks about her gastrointestinal issues. There's many stories about those. Um, she has an essay about how she is an unapologetic Dave Matthews band fan and breaks down several of her favorite lyrics from his songs and what she loves about them. But I mean, while she's doing all this, she's freaking hilarious. Uh, she breaks down an adult film about old lesbian nuns. Uh, she is a writer. Uh, she writes for Tuca and Birdie. Uh, she wrote for Shrill. She's now a writer for the Sex and the City continuation called End Just Like That. And she talks about how she got death threats from strangers uh, once they announced that there was going to be a new show uh, threatening her for actions that she may or may not you know, have fictional characters do, which is just ridiculous. She goes over many of... The episodes of the first series of Sex in the City and what she would do in those situations now, what she would have them do. Um, it made me want to watch the show, which which I think I watched the first season, but I, I didn't go past that. And now I kind of really want to watch it just so I know what she's talking about. There's much more. There's stories about refrigerator contents and surly teenagers. And she's just so funny. Also super filthy. And it's just a delight. It's Quietly Hostile Essays by Samantha Irby out May 16th. I just adore her. Yeah. I just adore her so much. Um, so next pick, Falling Back in Love with Being Human, Letters to Lost Souls by Kai Chang Tom. Kai Chang Tom's I Hope We Choose Love is one of my favorite pieces of nonfiction. Her writing resonates so much and I love the bits that she shares with followers on Instagram as well. I haven't been given a copy of this book, but it's my understanding that it is a series of love letters to the people and the parts of ourselves that some of us don't think deserve love. Self-compassion is an ongoing theme in my world, and this book is both timely and very appealing. Kai Chang Tom is a Chinese-Canadian transgender woman, and this both informs and adds power to her writing in a way that is both honest and transformative. I really do love the work of hers that I've read, and I'm really looking forward to this book of love letters. It is called Falling Back in Love with Being Human, Letters to Lost Souls by Kai Chang Tom, and it is out August 1st. My next pick is My Murder by Katie Williams, which comes out on June 6th. I had not heard of this book before I received it, and I started reading it right then because the premise sucked me right in. It's about a cloned woman who was the victim of a serial killer and is now back living her life. Yes, please. It is set in the future where human cloning occurs. Like, it just does. Don't ask too many questions. Lou, the narrator, is a young mother 
and wife in Michigan. Uh, and that was what she was before when she became the fifth victim of a serial killer. But she has a second chance due to this company that decided that the five victims of the serial killer deserved a second chance. Uh, they were all cloned and returned to their lives. They now meet once a week in a support group and discuss what life is like now that they're back. The difficult part for Lou is that she doesn't remember the last several days of her first life before she died. And and that's nothing to worry about. It's very common to have that happen when you're cloned, especially to people who die traumatically. Uh, but she does get these like little glimpses of her life before she died. Like She knows that she was unhappy. There's a bag in her closet that she's hiding from her husband. She's trying to make sense of, of what that means. Plus, uh, she has a newborn daughter who cries every time she picks her up, and, and she knows that the baby never used to cry when she picked her up before she was murdered. And so all these things are, like, adding up. The women in her group all have different reactions to their situation. They're all celebrities. Like, this is a big deal. Like, they were brought back, you know, they get horrible hate mail and, and love letters and all this stuff. Um, you know, one of them sort of leans into that role more than others. One of the women is determined to do the opposite of everything that she ever did when she was alive the first time because she rationalizes that the decisions that she made in her first life led her to being murdered, um, which just uh, broke my heart when you think about it. Lou also has a job as a virtual holder. She had this job before she was murdered uh, where she goes into a virtual room with a client and they have comforting contact with each other's avatars from handholding to backstroking to spooning, just sitting and listening. But Lou no longer finds that job fulfilling and she's sort of starting to come apart at work. This is a darkly humorous satire um, and it's really fascinating. There, like I said, there's cloning, there's futuristic technology, but we don't really learn how it works. You just have to go with it. And, and that's cool. I like that about it. I don't want like a lot of explanation, like how this happened. I just like that it happened. Um, and it says so much about life. Like if you died, but then you were brought back, like, would you go right back to your life how it was? Would you want to make changes? You know, what, like, what would you do? It also says a lot about our obsession with uh, true crime and the murder of women and and even you know delves into sort of like the ethics of cloning like who gets to get cloned spoiler the rich uh so it's just and then there's just like this mystery like like what is going on it reminded me of you two can have a body like mine a bit gave me those kind of vibes by alexander kleeman and i haven't read williams's last novel tell the machine goodnight but i'm definitely going to do that soon now that i've read this and loved it so much it is My Murder by Katie Williams. It comes out June 6th. Next up is Transitional. In one way or another, we all transition by Monroe Bergdorf. Some long-dead philosopher said that change is the only constant in life, and this book reminds me of that. Change is a universal part of the human experience. In my 40s, I am not the exact same person I was when I was 4 or 12 or even 25. Neither am I 100% a different person. This idea is central to this book as the author, a Black transgender woman, model, and activist, seeks to show how, through all our differences, we are still alike in that we all change. Not just transgender people, but everyone. Cisgender folks, gender nonconforming folks, everyone. 
Bergdorf weaves memoir through this book where she discusses society's view of change around six specific parts of human experience, adolescence, gender, relationships, sexuality, race, and identity. Through this, she offers ideas on how to heal, build community, and wield our differences to be stronger together. I think this is going to be a really great read, and I'm looking forward to it. It's transitional in one way or another. We All Transition by Monroe Bergdorf out February 21st. All right. My last pick, I think I've talked about like 8 million times on all the different platforms that I use, and I'm going to talk about it again today because I love it so much. It's The Deep Sky by Yumi Kitasi. comes out on July 18th. I am a big fan of a... Oh no, we need to find a new planet because our planet really sucks. Oh, hey, what's this thing we found? Oh no, story. Especially when the crew has to be put into like a cryo sleep for parts of the trip. I like that when like they wake up and it's like 30 years later or something. Or I like it when things are scary and they get on the ship or like they find like an empty ship and it's like, where did the crew go? And you know that they shouldn't go in that ship, but they do anyway. And then, oh no. You know, there's a storyline like that in most sci-fi shows, if you've been watching them for a long time, like Farscape and Firefly. Like, remember the reverse chandelier in Firefly? You know what I'm talking about. So in this book, The Deep Sky, our planet sucks. Like, no surprises there. And the main character is Asuka. Asuka is the part is part of the crew of the Phoenix, who are on a mission to visit a new planet where they believe that humans will be able to live. But... This journey is one that they will not return from. It's so long that they can't conceivably make it back and still be alive, like, get back to Earth. Uh, So they're put to sleep for, like, the first half of this journey. They're asleep for, like, ten years? Three years? I can't remember now. But when they wake up, they have not been awake for very long uh, when there's a horrible explosion on the outside of the ship, and it sends it off course. And now they need to figure out how to get back on course, because, like, the smallest miscalculation could send them way, way, way far away. And now they've, like, been knocked right off course. Um, And they need to figure out who is responsible for this blast in case they try to do it again. Because there are people who are on board who benefit from this. Like, there's changes in command because people are like, oh, this happened and it's your fault and you're responsible. You should have done better. You know, there is also Asuka's mother, who belongs to a fringe group on Earth, Uh, who didn't want this mission to happen at all. There's a group of people on Earth who were like, you know, we shouldn't be wasting these resources and all this money trying to find this other planet. We should be fixing things here. Uh, And she, you know, didn't tell people that her mother was part of this group. But now they have to figure out, like, was this the long-delayed work of terrorists uh, before they launched? Or is someone on the ship attempting to sabotage it or possibly even kill them all? So it's a locked spaceship mystery! But, like, you get so much more because you find out about Asuka when she was young and her family and, you know, how, like, how her mother came to be against her mission, even though it's, like, her dream. And there's really cool tech. Like, everybody has this virtual reality that they see, which, like, sort of lays over the real world. But yet everyone can still function. So, like, you're going about your job and you're typing at your computer, but also, like, you're in a field full of kittens and the sun is shining and it's lovely. And, like, everyone can function just normally like this. I don't know how. Like, I I stand up with my reading glasses on, like, forget that I have them on, and I, like, fall down immediately. So I don't know how people can function with, like, seeing, like, waterfalls and all this stuff. But they do, um, and I'm super jealous of it. In conclusion, this is a really smart mystery, 
and it's about family and belonging and politics, and I love it. It's The Deep Sky by Yumi Kitase. It's out July 18th. My last pick is another fiction. It is My Dear Henry, a Jekyll and Hyde remix by Kaylin Barron. My, uh, like I said, this is fiction. Shocking, I know, since most of what I talked about today was nonfiction. I swear that I do read fantasy and sci-fi and romance. There's just a lot of nonfiction out there that I'm excited about. Anyway, this is the same author who wrote This Poison Heart and This Wicked Fate, and I am absolutely obsessed with that duology. So when I saw she had something coming out in 2023, I got really, really excited. I know I read the original Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in college for a class, but full disclosure, the majority of my touch points for this story are actually from the 90s musical Jekyll and Hyde with music by Frank Wildhorn. It is one of my absolute favorite shows to sing along to, and David Hasselhoff stars in the filmed version if you're into that. Anyway, it is well past time for a remix, and I am so excited for this queer, gothic, black YA version. It's London in 1885. Our hero, Gabriel Utterson, is 17 and has returned to London for the first time after he and his friend, Henry Jekyll, were expelled from medical school. Gabriel has a hard time moving on without Henry, but a new player has entered the arena, a strange young man named Hyde. Ugh, give it to me now. I'm really looking forward to this one, and even just talking about it now, I'm like, eh, maybe this is the one that gets bumped up my TBR. It is My Dear Henry, a Jekyll and Hyde remix by Kaylin Barron, and it's out March 7th. I got that yesterday. Oh. Very excited. So, my little anonymous axolotl, uh, <laughs> what are you going to read next? Um, so I do have electronic arcs of another two books that are coming out in 2023 that are, so Charlie Jane Anders promises Stronger Than Darkness, which is the third in the Unstoppable trilogy that started with Victories Greater Than Death, that is out. And then also The Shadow Cabinet by Juno Dawson, that comes out in May, and that is the sequel to Her Majesty's Royal Coven. So, like, I'm just, like, chomping at the bit, as they say, to get to those. So I think those are next on my list. How about you? I am still working on the new Nick Hargaway because he is so smart. I have to read it very slowly or I miss things. It's titanium noir. And I also got a book today called Keep Looking Up, Your Guide to the Powerful Healing of Birdwatching by Tama Watts, which is, she is a therapist and a marriage counselor, and she was injured many years ago and unable to uh, get out of her house, and she started healing through bird watching. Like, she realized, like, how looking at nature, like, you know, as we all hear, uh, you know, is, is very healing. And it's like one of those things where they tell you, like, you know, don't eat this and don't do that and exercise and, and you'll feel better. And it's like, oh. And they're right, but it's so annoying, you know, and, and I spent a lot of time looking at birds this summer and I found it to be so peaceful and I felt better. And I was like, oh, they're right again. <laughs> so I want to read this book about like her experience doing that. And because I'm 2023 is the year of the bird for me. Like I'm going all in on, on bird feeders and I'm trying to steal the birds from my neighbors and it's going to be awesome. So. Going to be the bird lady and Mary Poppins. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or Home Alone, if you're a little younger. Oh. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that is it for us today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. You can visit mytbr.co to slash gift to give the gift of books. You can drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com. You can find us online. We hang out on Instagram. Patricia is the info file. Do you still hang out on Twitter? Yeah, Twitter Hive. I use the same name everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. I am Friends and Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime... Happy Happy reading. reading!